You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Motorist Insurance Group and Brick Street Insurance have come together to create a better one-stop shop for agents and policyholders, encircling you with coverage at every step in life's journey. We are now. Incova Insurance. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I am your host, co-host, and veteran podcaster, Mookie Ghana, Christopher Harrington. Joined by my, <laughs> joined by my uh, my finest student, my only student, the uh, the unmatriculated Brandon Howard Thurston. Brandon, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine. I'm working on my master's thesis here, and uh, <laughs> eventually I'll have to do my dissertation. I'm not sure if you'll accept it or not, but we'll get. You know, I think it will matter whether the people like it. That's what's really matters. Are you putting face? Are you putting smiles on people's faces? No, I'm going to put thoughts in their heads, though. That, that Ooh. even more dangerous. I don't think I realized that when you said you were capping this thing, that you were you're taking a video from the business partner summit, and you're re you're able to put it all on your Twitter there. I That's did. great. So this is the, the free program, and we just spent three hours talking about the W Business Partner Summit, which is, um, in many ways, just as big as WrestleMania, isn't it? And uh, there's a moment in there which is quite contentious, at least as far as we're concerned, uh, where Triple H talks about how, you know, when the territories died, there was basically no place for talent to get experience and to develop and have matches in front of live crowds. Something to that effect, I'm paraphrasing. But you can look at my Twitter feed, and I've just posted the video there. And uh, there, there it is. There, there is that, uh, that, that statement out there. As, as if the indies and... Places like Japan and Mexico don't exist at all. And as if they, the international uh, talent that they decided to talk so much about, including some some guy named Shinsuke Nakamura and some woman named Asuka, uh, you know, of course, came straight out of their NXT Performance Center having never wrestled a day in their life. That's right. They, they just went to the Performance Center and they did squats and deadlifts and they, they, they turned into <laughs> amazing charismatic superstars. Yeah, well, you know, that's the body bags or are, are, uh, those big sacks that they have to jump back and forth across. That's what makes the difference between a, a superstar and a star. 
So, uh, so, so, while, yeah. so while Triple H was redefining the present of wrestling history, uh, Stephanie McMahon also redefined uh, some, some earlier wrestling history. <laughs> but uh, if you want to listen yeah, to that, you can go to patreon.com slash WrestleNomics and become a subscriber for $5 a month, and you can hear us talk in the most depth that anybody could, could imagine somebody talking about the W Business Partner Summit. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. I'd say it. I think technically the show length is two hours fifty four minutes, and so it's two hours and fifty two minutes of business partner summit and two minutes of a Tony Atlas story. Yes. So yes, there's a good, good Tony Atlas <laughs> story in there. A, a couple of really <laughs> like, good rants for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we both we both got a, a worked up at different things. Me getting worked up about the WWE studio model and the and the digital social media presentation. And uh, the sales and international piece that John Brody did too, where you know he talked about localization, but he he loves talking about sales, and unfortunately he's also in charge of international, so it's a little underwhelmed there. And you know Stephanie McMahon saying our brand strategy is about positioning WWE among the Fortune 500 companies, and what does that mean? Michelle and George talking about their three point, you know they got three points, three points of light that's coming. They got a distribution strategy, they got a DTC thing going on with WWE Network 2.0. We get in depth in what we think WWE Network 2.0 is, which of course is not the official name. They made sure they made that clear, and yet they made a slide with the words WWE Network 2.0 and referred to it that way, mm-hmm. and then immediately told us that's not the name. Uh, and then also about their their uh, you know global localization or the international growth model that they're talking about with their laser focus on India, Middle East, and China mm-hmm. lasers. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and then and Triple H is, you know, like one of the biggest announcements, I think, to come out of WrestleMania weekend and very little play going on there is that basically Triple H announced that he wants to set up like mini NXTs in Europe, South America, India, Middle East and China. He did. And and that I'm not I'm not being facetious here. I'm not being like hyperbolic. This is literally a slide that he showed to everyone saying that he, he doesn't feel he has enough of a pipeline to keep NXT stocked. With talent. To be really cynical, it's like he got Shane McMahon out of the at least the executive part of the company and sort of took over his idea. It's literally an idea that Shane was was tossing around in the early two thousands, and that there was a very long interview done with a. Um, I, I really feel like it might have been actually the head of international or something who might have been doing some of it, but um, there was a article. Hmm, Shane's glo- um. International, maybe Japan. I'll try to find this article. Two thousand seven, maybe. Jeez, no. I'm, 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 I'm trying to find where I wrote. You, you, there's a, this a, an article on your blog piece. on Indeed. I know, and that's the one I want to find it. Yeah, but it's it's old. You know, that's like yeah. it was years and years and years ago. It's it probably two thousand six or two thousand seven that this idea was thrown around about international expansion and and W plans it, international it, expansion March twentieth two thousand seven. Yeah, and so that was the CFO Michael Selick, who um, you know, went on to a couple different roles in WWE. Is he still with them WWE? I don't think so. No, he he moved on to other things. Um, but the CFO uh, gave an interview with Financial Week, where he talked about where I want to do one where there's going to be a Hispanic region, a European region, and a Pacific region, and all sorts of other things. And so it's just kind of interesting. This was back in the days of OVW and DSW and things like that. Um, it's just kind of amazing that literally. 10 years later same idea comes about and maybe things are better for wwe and that they've you know fixed their economics and they they of course can subsidize everything with their tv deals but uh it's just fascinating that we see history repeat itself so closely you know that the uh 
the 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 magic strategy was go to the very back of the filing cabinet and see that thing that's been uh, not open for about a decade and see if that file has any interest for you. Sure. So I, in, in general, though, I I know I'm being a little cynical about it, but this, this is uh, if I was in his position, this is something that sounds good to me. You you would want to go like, all over the world and have multiple PCs. Sure. I, you know the the things that I think are interesting with it is that you you also have the element that not everyone in every country can get to the U.S. quickly mm-hmm. because it is not always the easiest to get the visas, get the clearances, get everything you need, and so having another hub somewhere else in the world makes sense to me, mm-hmm. and and I've I've said that for a while. On the flip side, getting the training staff who wants to go relocate to these countries that might be a little bit harder if WWE wants to maintain the control that they like. Yeah. You know, like thinking about India, NXT India. Who who is who's going to be working out of that one and wants to be living there and doing that? And well, if they want to sure a brass ring, they'll go. But uh, yeah, well, you know, so maybe that's what Maharbari, uh, Jinder Mahal uh, the, will the, go, and the Great Kali, <laughs> Great Kali, and Jinder Mahal will run the Indian piece. Yeah, well, Great Great Kali already has a, a legacy as a trainer right. in his uh, home company there. No, you're right. They, I'm sure there's indie indie guys that if you said hey i'll give you 100 grand or 150 grand you go live over here and you you teach wrestling that that's going to be a better deal than what they are doing day to day now um and we even saw some of the guys that appeared in the uh, greatest royal rumble were talent that had been brought over already to basically help out with the training dan mantha uh, tucker knight what i understand is that they were basically already in the country helping the training going on and so that was one of the reasons they were used in the greatest royal rumble like one problem i could see if they've got if the day comes where they really do have multiple PCs or multiple developmental brands all over the world is coordinating the leadership for that and keeping it all in one vision you know what I mean well that's why that's why I was saying I, I think there's needs to be an interaction between international and talent development much closer and there's always been this kind of strange power struggle struggles about like Oh, I'm in charge of international TV deals, but not the UK and India. Somebody else is in charge of those deals. I'm in charge of the France, South Africa, and South Korea deals. And same thing with the talent, same thing with everything else where like, you know, John Brody, like I was saying, his international stuff, he seems like a strong sales guy. He doesn't seem like somebody who's passionate about international necessarily. So I do think, yeah, just like you say, you would want someone who's out there. Ten years ago, the whole idea was let's get local television in each one of these kind of marketplaces. Now, with a the subsidization that you're going to be having going on with the TV deals, i.e. the TV deals being worth so much money and yet not really cost going up all that much, and B, the, um, the WWE Network being globally distributed, it'll be interesting to see if they even bother with you know the idea of local television in any way because otherwise maybe they'll just be happy to have you – know, you can see it on the network on the high tier and that's enough for us. So, but you're right. There, there's an enormous amount of strategy and work there, and that's why I was saying it. It's so tough when Triple H and Stephanie want to play, have two hats, and be television people, and they want to be, you know, executives. Because at a certain time, you need someone who's able to start going around the world. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if someday we do see like a William Regal or something kind of be elevated to the next next level, where he's in charge of kind of global recruiting and so forth like matt bloom obviously has a big role right now in in orlando and so he would also be someone that you might say hey matt are you interested in taking over a global role where you're coordinating all the different uh pcs around the world especially if there's a day where triple h has to take over more of Vince's responsibilities yeah yeah like it's the sort of thing where i just can't see triple h living that life doing it 
Um, I, I, it just feels like to me like that would be something that would be one level down and be delegated to someone else. And, you know, I'm sure there's a hundred other really good international minds that would be perfect for this, that it just aren't at the top tip of my tongue because, you know, a lot of times you don't know the, the best trainers out there aren't always the most prominent wrestlers out mm-hmm. there. And so, you Agreed. know, you know, someone like someone out there, even like, like a Cassius Ono or something might be interesting to oh, see yeah. what, you know, what kind of roles someone he might want to get into. So I'd be fascinated to see that. Mm-hmm. But yes, I could even imagine if you were say training people in Buffalo, you, you might even be one of the, the best trainers. And yet, uh, you Agreed. know, at, t- at times have odd, odd food habits and whatnot Yes, that are forgivable, forgivable, uh, <laughs> forgivable, <laughs> Uh, I'm I'm razzing you because uh, I just ate my yeah, I'm, vegan I'm, sandwich before we were uh, about to record here. I ate at a place called Naf Naf today. Have you ever heard of this? Oh, what's that? You heard of this? You heard of this? This Naf Naf? It's a uh, like like a Mediterranean um, restaurant, Middle Eastern Grill. There we go, Middle Eastern Grill with like pitas and salads and stuff. Uh, it was pretty good. I was I was impressed. Speaking of international um, sports entertainment, how was curling? Curling was a bust. Was it? it was. It was. Yeah, curling was because uh, I went and I was like, "Hey," because I the the reason the show is only three hours long because we were ready to go longer. It's only three hours long is because I um I, I was like I have to go. I'm leaving. Goodbye. And I go out to the other room and my wife was dead asleep. And so I was just like, we're supposed to leave now. You haven't ate anything, have you? So we had to you know, quickly get food, get dressed, get ready to go. We got there and, and we drive all the way out there and we show up and we're it's it, normally there's four people curling mm-hmm. and so it's two and so we were two people and we were filling in basically because there's two open slots so there there was another couple that had been originally signed up so they didn't show up ever so we only had the two of us on our team and then the other team all four of them called in on a family emergency and so there was three volunteers who showed up to take their place. So it was three volunteers versus two fill-ins for mid-season replacements. So uh, my wife and I uh, just mainly threw like there's eight stones in curling, as you know, oh, yeah. um, yes. on each on each you know each end. So um, we would do four and four at a time. Originally it was two 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 two, but that's just way too much going up and down the ice to flip with the skip. You know, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking oh, about here. Yes, yes. So. So in a, a, so I was doing more like four back-to-back, and then sometimes you would do actually eight back-to-back because you would do like the first four, the other person does the next four, and then that person would also do the next four after that, and then you would do the next four. So it was actually really good because I worked a lot on my uh, curls so of, of like, uh, you know, throwing kind of sidearm with like a slow curl and trying to get it into the uh, – right in the button in the house rather as opposed to like – you know, just going. I'm, I usually just do lots of straight shots with a lot of speed, which is not useful. So it was a lot of fun. <laughs> no concussions, at least. No, I did take a tumble though. Did you? I, I, uh, I, I just. It was just one of those things where, like, you know, I stopped a stone and then I took a step and then my feet just went out from underneath me and then I tried to brace myself did and you so you know, like, I slam my wrists. You, uh, get your palms down, arms out. Yeah. No, no, I didn't take a bump, but I like kind of took a, a nasty like push on your wrist really hard. So I did not care for that, but so hopefully I'll feel okay tomorrow. But a lot less, lot less sweeping than normal, but that's okay. So that's that's Mookie's curling update. We lost ten to one, but I did score one in the last end, so at least that happened. But uh, the greatest Royal Rumble was on Friday in, during the uh, the daytime here in America. I did not watch. I actually stayed spoiler free until 
I watched it that night, uh, with the exception of Titus. It, it was kind of impossible to avoid the Titus story. That's that's the big uh, news coming out of here, anyway. <laughs> and Hornswoggle. For some reason, I found out about those two particular things, uh, but nothing else was really showing up on Twitter as a big deal. Um, and then I uh, watched the show, and I got almost all the way through. I got to the Royal Rumble, and uh, I tapped out around person like seventeen. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, I turned it back on and, and finished it up. And I actually watched the whole show. I have to say, it's been quite some time that I've watched a whole WWE pay-per-view by myself. Like, it's it's easy to watch it when you're with somebody else because you can at least kind of both be talking about it and watching it. But it's rare for me to just sit and turn it on and just sit there for hour yeah, after hour after hour. That is a in attention span, I would say. Yeah, and it was it was mainly because I had such a terrible day at work that like when I came home, I was just like, I'm just going to sit down and watch this, well, and I get home to like seven thirty on a Friday. Did they put a smile on your face? Um, well, we could talk about the card. Let's see. Let's look at the card and see if any of the card gave a smile on my face. Uh, the card opened up, up John Cena versus um, Triple H, which which that did not guess which I match other than match. the Royal Rumble itself. Guess which match was the longest on the card. Uh, the Triple H match. Yeah, it was. Uh, I thought it was plotting, is is the word I was using to describe it. Which is, you know, I felt bad because I think they said something like it was eighty seven something in the out there. So it was a hot day for them to be out there wrestling for fifteen. I'm sure it was absolutely brutal, and you know, sixty thousand people, uh, legit. I'm sure there was legit sixty plus thousand people there, and. That's impressive. No so, I mean, it was. We're kind of jumping ahead, but we don't really have any details to add. But there was no attendance announced. I, I even asked on Twitter, did I, you know, did I miss this? Was did somebody announce the attendance? I just didn't know it. No, no. They they may have mentioned in passing that there's sixty thousand there, but there was no specific number made up or, or yeah, given. Like ArabNews.com did an article where they referred to it sixty thousand, but um, I, I feel like you know that might have been a a worked number that they just got because they mentioned that in the broadcast at one point and that was it i i wouldn't even speculate that wwe was not handling the ticket sales for this right the government was no. so the, no the government definitely the government was, yeah. would know or or the the stadium yeah, so, yeah so, which is probably a government gsa so somebody other than WWE would know the the number fake or otherwise you know so WWE yeah. was just not in a position to even fabricate a number i guess oh Sure, it doesn't stop them. You know, they fabricated a tournament in another country one time. So, what is what is a number compared to that? Well, that was before social um, at least. But uh, yeah, so that that I I don't know. Did you did you think that the uh, Triple H I, I John Cena match? I'm not going to analyze any matches here. I wasn't fully paying attention to this show because <laughs> this is how I watched WWE in 2018. Um, I had it on. I, I had the entire show on during the Rumble itself. I took a nap. Um, I, I saw some things. I <laughs> so did some limited comments, but yeah. Yeah. Like, so that match happened. I, I did enjoy the Cedric Alexander Kalisto match. I thought that had, you know, like the, the Spanish fly off the ropes, mm-hmm. uh, the kind of like springboard Spanish fly and the DDT and stuff were pretty awesome. Uh, the Bray Wyatt, Matt Hardy versus Cesaro Sheamus match was, I don't know. I kind of found, found it to be a little bit of a nothing match. I wasn't that impressed with it. Uh, Jeff Hardy and Jinder was again, kind of a nothing match. Mm-hmm. A little surprised Jeff retained, but um, I guess I shouldn't be. Um, Bludgeon Brothers beating the Usos was fun, but it was the shortest match of the night, and it was a little bit of a squash, I thought, even in the second half. Uh, the latter match was pretty good. Rollins, Finn, Samoa Joe, and Miz. Uh, I imagine you paid attention to that one a little bit more. The uh, the latter match? No, not even really. Uh, yeah. No. 
I think Finn got busted open on literally the last move of the match when eye. the belt was being taken down and like hit him in the head with the belt. I was just like, of all the things, there's a few absolutely brutal spots in there with the way that they were doing ladder bumps and whatnot. That was terrifying. Um, uh, AJ Nakamura, double count out. I don't remember. I don't remember feeling much in this match. So I, I don't know if it was, it wasn't bad, but it was a, it was a double count out finish. So it kind of felt, you know, uh, non, non impressive. Yeah, uh, again, I your styles of Nakamura match. That was not that impressive. And I, I was at work for a lot of this. So I, again, I wasn't paying attention, but I did pay more attention to this undertaker and Rusev match because I had some money riding on it. Um, did you really, why, why did, why was there money involved? Did you, do you know the casket guy or something? No. Um, because th- there were bets being taken for this on uh, you know the betting websites out there, so you look at this card, and I, tr- I try to do this once in a while. And as W pay per views go, and as wins and losses matter, maybe even less and less in uh, in Vince McMahon promotions, um, it becomes a little harder to to say, oh, this this is definitely going to end this way. But here's this match: The Undertaker versus Rusev. We all know who's going to win that match. So it's like, yeah, boom, I put it down, and I won. I've never, I've never lost. So, so, so is it like you put down 20 bucks and you win 20 bucks and 50 cents on something like that? I had to put up like roughly 850. So I was risking 850 to win like 90. 90 bucks? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So I won 90 bucks. Thanks Undertaker. Wait, wait, you won 90 bucks on an $8 and 50 dollars. $850. You bet eight hundred and fifty dollars on Undertaker. Right. So, so this all started with, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, is this just you rolling the money over that you yes. won on the it other started stuff? With, it started okay. with fifty a few years ago, and it's just grown and grown since then. Oh my god! Hey, if and if you're curious and you are wanna you wanna win at the ponies or at the caskets with uh, anyone, call up Brandon Howard Thurston. The, the I'm a great investor. Uh, I'm I'm gonna Brandon the, Brandon the chin. Uh, Thurston. Wow. Well, this was a, this. I, if I describe the John Cena Triple H match as plotting, the Undertaker Rusev match felt like it was like. Have you ever had a DVD where there's like gum or something on it, and it kind of skips in a weird way, where like not every frame quite loads, and so it like pauses and then it loads and then it pauses and it loads. That's what it felt like with Undertaker doing mat doing moves, where it was like such a long period would happen between the moves that you could get up, get a soda, sit down, and then he's just doing the next move. And then, and there was one part where Rusev went to punch him, and Undertaker didn't bother to even pretend to like duck, so instead Rusev just had to punch the air right next to Undertaker, and then pretend like he missed. And it was just oh, it's brutal. Yeah. Then you had that Brock Lesnar with I'll, Paul I'll Heyman. The Undertaker who, so, and I know we do WrestleNomics here, and it's really about economics. But as a fan, I have no interest in seeing Undertaker ever wrestle another match. I, I think he has no business being in the ring. And uh, at least they're protecting him now. And then I think the John Cena match is evidence of that. Like, oh, he that's why he worked a two-minute match is because he's going to do this and other matches internationally or whatever this year. But, yeah. And you, you can look up his uh, – campaign donation or political donation record too if you want that is true we talked about that in a very early wrestlenomics did episode we? yep yep we went through a bunch of people's uh, okay. donations uh brock lesnar with paul Heyman, and uh you know everyone gives you know likes to throw stones but uh dave Meltzer was out there saying paul Heyman will be there paul Heyman was there and uh, uh brock lesnar with paul Heyman defeated be there because he's jewish 
Okay. Yes. Yes, there was a lot of lot of online speculation that he was told not to go, that he wasn't going, that because he had a he had a, a stamp from Israel, he would be denied entry. His passport, you know, every hmm. yeah, yeah. People, and, um, people, people took took things and and brought them into quite the hmm. spectrum. And, and Sam, well, Sami Zayn did not go because Sami Zayn is a Syrian Muslim, right? Is that the? We don't know exactly what the story is. What we know is that it sounds like. The reason uh, he wasn't there when da- when the Wrestling Observer asked WWE for a comment, uh, quote, regarding Sami Zayn not being on today's show, WWE said, quote, WWE is committed to embracing individuals from all backgrounds while respecting local customs and cultural differences around the world, end quote. And that was from the daily update uh, that was posted on the 27th by Dave Meltzer. So you can read into that whatever you want though i think dave tweeted something like holy shit is sammy really not there um so i think dave himself was a little bit surprised that in fact it did seem like there was some reason sammy zane wasn't there either comments he made where then they said don't bother going or uh the fact that his heritage put him in a position where they said we don't we we think it's it would be a problem if you're here or something else that we don't know uh, but that was a big surprise, especially because, you know, they only have, as we've talked about, a handful of um, wrestlers that have a Middle Eastern background of any sort. And so uh, one would have thought that Mojo Raleigh, who can speak some Arabic, maybe he, he you know, they mentioned obliquely that his um, parents got engaged in Saudi Arabia, I think they said. Um, but they didn't say anything else about it. Like that was all the only thing they ever said. He was completely not over in the rumble. Uh, Sami Zayn, obviously. And then. Um, you know, of course, Davari <laughs> and his brother showed up and, uh, and then to a, a much lesser degree, uh, General Mahal, of course, is, is Asian, Southeast Asian, Canadian but, uh, so. you know, and Canadian as well as Sammy is. So, yeah, that was a that was a shocking sort of thing. But uh, Just the, it's, it's become you, that, that you are show d- where I spilled something. <laughs> that time of the show, that hot, you just so dump it on. Um, Brock Lesnar with Paul Heyman defeats Roman Reigns by escaping the cage. In nine minutes and 15 seconds, uh, Brock Lesnar did not appear to be a man who enjoys climbing cages. Uh, I will say that, uh, though, as someone quickly did tweet me that uh, like 2003, like there's a, a match where Brock wins like an Iron Man match. And then the first thing he does is like scale the cage in like three seconds in an incredible feat of, of strength and uh, Iron agility. Man cage match? Um, I'm not, it's not an Iron Man cage match. It was – I know so it's what implied. I said, but I was I, – I was being facetious because I cannot remember the exact um, the exact issue uh, that that they were trying to say which match it was because I was I was talking about you know uh, what is going to happen with uh, uh, he doesn't like think, climbing cage much. So someone brought this. Maybe Oh, look at this guy. Oh man! Don't I, let Brock Lesnar live that down. You're, you're getting uh, messages now from from various clomiphene dealers. I think. Yes, here it is. 2002. Brock did one of the most athletic things I'd ever seen. WWE. He beats Taker in a 30 minute Hell in a Cell match. 30 minutes. Afterwards. Oh, he, oh this this was a uh, afterwards in recent years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah 2002. Okay. And then afterwards he. Afterwards he puts the belt around his neck and he goes from the floor to the top of the cell in five seconds. And uh, uh, you gotta love. Um, it's on Daily Motion, and it was uploaded by Bombs D Pimp. So thanks, Bombs D Pimp. Well, he's a, he's a tremendous athlete. Um, I'm not sure. 
I've been I've appreciated Bombs sure Deep him for years. Maintain that athleticism, but uh, amazing athlete. Yes. So um, the weird gimmick finish where the idea was that that Roman would would go through the cage, Brock would hit the ground first, and then it would be done. But of course, you know, Roman's feet basically hit the ground first because he rolled over, mainly because he almost DDT'd himself straight on the floor on that bump. It looked hellacious. I don't know if you noticed it or not. I'm aware what the finish was, but yeah. Yeah, but Roman almost like decapitated himself. It was un- unpleasant for him, uh, for sure. And so I'm sure he has a nasty headache from that. And then the the big 50 man Royal Rumble match ending with Braun Strowman eliminating Big Cass with uh, Daniel Bryan being one of the big stars in the match. Uh, interesting, you know, different people who get the big reaction. Cena obviously got a big reaction. Triple H got a big reaction. Um, maybe Brock and Roman, uh, Undertaker, R- Randy Orton was way over. I think uh, this was in Rey Mysterio. Those were kind of the guys that I remember really, really jumping out to me for being super duper over. So that was the match, you know, to me is is it was intriguing to to watch the show. There's a ton of pyro, as you and I talked about on the other the Super Surf subscriber lots show. Of far- um, fireworks. Lots of outdoor fireworks. I mean, it was a show where I just remember thinking, wow, they spent a lot more than I thought yeah. they did. Like, whatever the number in I had in my head was, scale, it was, was more I mean, than that. It was that. in a stadium, lots of pyro, lots of part-timers in here. This was a WrestleMania-level event in terms of just the uh, the appearance and the apparent expense. The talent, yeah. yeah. I mean, get, bringing in Jericho and Ray and, and Brock, you know, these are not talent that is cheap to convince to fly to the Middle East and uh, uh, perform but it says a lot about you know their interest and then in the presentation that um triple h gave he more or less said basically because we're doing a 10-year partnership we're gonna do tryouts in saudi arabia and we're thinking about even starting a performance center there like he he was pretty straightforward about that and lo and behold we did have saudi trainees our our four people come out there and you know basically have them run a, a mini angle of um you know, the the bad guys are going to show up and run them down, and then they're going to do body slams. They're going to do, you know, it, it, it atomic wedgies or whatever. These, uh, these guys had been signed or what the deal was, right? It, it wasn't clear that they're being offered contracts. The, the language about who they were was, was weird. Yeah, and, and at least a few of them, I think, have already wrestled. Like, I, I'm, I'm 99% sure when I saw, like, a, a, a version of, like, what was each one of their credentials – more than one of them had already done some pro wrestling somewhere. Is he really? But he's of Middle Eastern background? It's it's one, one of these guys. Uh, you know, somehow the, the territories have died, and uh, there's no place for talent to develop. But there's this, this guy here, too. Who's a, he somehow found his way. But yeah, so then they had both Davari brothers, which was interesting because um, – you know, obviously, one Davari brother's been out of of WWE for a while so here, and the other about, uh, Sean Davari. Sean Davari, yeah, yeah, Minnesota's own Sean Davari. Uh, famously choked out a guy at uh, um, who was acting up on one of the trains here. Oh, that's was right. flipping out, and, and he he stepped in and yeah, choked him out to like save somebody. It's nice, um, and then. You know, Arya, I don't know if Arya Davari has done very much about the fact of, you know, being the Davari kind of Iranian heritage the way that 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 Sean did. I, I mean, you you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm not 
sure if he has done a lot of gimmicks where he's you know talked a lot about you know done that kind of I'm I'm trying to do a a stereotype of a bad guy. Um, so it, it's just interesting to me. Yeah, he's from he went to Wayzata High School here in Plymouth. Um, yeah, interesting. So they they had the guys run down with Iranian flags, and if you know very much about the tension between Iran and Saudi Arabia, it is visceral. Like like people think of Iran and the U.S. having a bad relationship. Iran and Saudi Arabia have close to a similar bad relationship. And and it's it's like there's a great front line actually um, that, that was on this year where it's just talking about kind of how Iran and Saudi Arabia fight proxy wars throughout the Middle East um, using – you know Yemen is an example of a proxy war that's being fought where Iranian forces and Saudi Arabian forces are basically finding ways to push on each other. And, and the same thing is to happening to a degree in, in – other countries uh, in the area and Afghanistan's influence and Syria and all these other places. So it's it's a very fraught and difficult thing. And of course, there's always the the pressure on Donald Trump to not renew the nuclear certification, uh, you know, situation with Iran. And a lot of that also comes from Saudi Arabia not being comfortable with the 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 um, the deal that was made. They they were very much against it. And so it's fascinating to me that they went as far as the Iranian flag angle because it just seemed like, oh, my God, you know, somebody here <laughs> is someone here going to take it so seriously. They're going to jump the stands and come down to just punch him in the face and steal the flag or something, you know. Um, so I was shocked that they a clear cleared that with, you know, GSA in some way, because I don't think WWE was doing anything on the show that they did not uh, try and clear. Now, I'm not saying they didn't screw up. I'm not saying they didn't screw up, but I'm just saying I don't think there was a chance they would have tried to run an angle like that without basically getting the go ahead from from. I mean, uh, if this is a government that's uh, really unhappy with Iran, maybe they would approve something like this. But 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 hey, they did. No, they did. I mean, that's a short answer. There's no way it happened without them approving. But but hey, at least the, the GSA issued an apology. Well, that was oh. for something else. Yes, for something else. Yeah, this was not about oh. this was not about oh, the Iranian okay. flag angle. And there was even some people were speculating that it might not have shown on on Saudi TV. And I I would love to find out if that's true or not about whether or not they ran that angle on Saudi TV. Obviously, it was done in the the arena um, or in the it's stadium. I should say. Any um, other than the W Network? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was broadcast on on local Middle Eastern that? television. Um. It, there was a couple stations that they announced in the corporate thing about it. If you go to corporatewwe.com and do final championship match, uh, it yeah, mentions – maybe not that one. No, that that must not be the one. There was one where they mentioned – you know, oh, yeah, it's going to air on Abu Dhabi Sports 1 and Abu Dhabi Sports 6. Okay. Um, it will also air on MB – MBC Action, KS Sports 1, and Dari Plus. So, you know, it's one of those situations where there was a lot of different ways that it was being so aired all over live the area. Does it say there? So I think so. Live, yeah. Why would this not I air? assume. Why would that angle, why would the uh, Iran flag, Davari Brothers angle not air if this was on, on live TV? I'm positive that there's a lot of things that they, there was a couple different promos they showed in the WWE network version of things that I'm positive they didn't show on the Saudi version. You know, even even the prayer time thing in the middle, you know, I'm sure they did something different than than show what the WWE stuff was showing. 
So I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was different. But yeah, I was it, it, as I joked, it, it taught these trainees the most important things about WWE, which is WWE will always be willing to resort to stereotypes and jingoism if there's ever a question about what they want to do in an angle and you are from another country of the world. Or you might not even be from another country of the world. You might not even have to portray someone from that country of the world. You you just will have to portray some other evil foreigner, yeah. very I likely. Mean, political conflicts, wars, proxy wars, and sports teams, they'll, they'll exploit all of them. And, and, you know, we've heard some people like I think uh, Mustafa Ali gave an interview where he was talking about how he didn't want to be used as a wrestler that was supposed to be, you know, he's Pakistani, but he didn't want to be seen as like, you know, some evil, evil Pakistani. He didn't want to be a terrorist. He did an interview he was very- on, on the Indies. He initially didn't want to do any of that. And then, you know, he, he wasn't uh, getting the traction on the Indies that he really wanted. And uh, so somebody finally convinced him or he finally you know, gave in and decided to do like the evil foreigner thing. And, uh, and then he got even more bookings, according to him. And uh, then, then one night, uh, you know, he was working heel doing this gimmick and he realized that he was teaching children to hate people of, uh, you know, whatever it is, Middle Eastern Pakistani descent. And uh, he decided he needed to stop doing it. At least that, that's how I recall the story. And, and I mean, and and he's from Chicago. Like he 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 mentions that um, he got crap from people about how he didn't have like a Pakistani flag on something um, at some point. And he's just like, and and I'm reading a quote he he has here on the Wikipedia. But he's like, I don't care for nationality. I don't care for I care for unity. I don't mean to offend anyone. This is just me stating that I feel nationality doesn't define us as a people. It separates us. And he, he's talked about, you know, discrimination as a Muslim wrestler and things like that. So I, I'd heard before that he was very much of this mindset that he didn't want to be treated as, you know, the Muslim guy or a guy who's going to be doing a terrorist gimmick. But I, I would so, define anyone uh, to, like, make the argument that you're not when, – when people who do, like, xenophobic gimmicks and, uh, you know, Islamophobic gimmicks, like, how are they not uh, teaching adults as well as children to exercise – some sort of xenophobia. Well, you know, as they will say, they're they're just trying to tell some of those universal Joseph Campbell stories, good versus bad. Um, I, th- I think they're so. confused about who's good and who's bad, though. <laughs> there's there's that element of saying yes that they they could be telling much more nuanced stories for sure, or not even more interesting stories, stories. like moral stories that have an, a, a legitimate yeah. moral center. We will we talk about that more on the subscriber show. I go on a rant. <laughs> Yes, you do. So um, obviously, they they said the show show was sold out. We, um, they, in fact, they sent out a corporate thing saying this show was sold out, which was funny because then they were still like saying, "Hey, you can walk up and get tickets." So I think there's a little bit of confusion there, but that's normal. Um, and obviously, the biggest story, you know, so, like uh, you, let's talk about this first. Actually, Riyadh is apparently getting one of these shows in uh, November. There was a, a web. There's a Twitter account called the Riyadh Report, which uh, if you go and look, it's it's all Riyadh news. It's all Saudi Arabia. I won't say propaganda, but I will say it is uh, news that is being fed through, and it looks fairly legit. It's not a verified it's account. It's like Fox News, basically, right? Um, I don't know. It seems that way, though. But I mean, it seems like it it reports very closely on all things having to do with um, you know interactions in Saudi Arabia. And it, it seems to be implying that, in fact, 
uh, Riyadh will be getting another version of one of these the kind of uh, special shows from Saudi Arabia. That's what people have yeah. turned it into, yeah. But we just know it's supposed to be Riyadh in November, um, which will be intriguing. Uh, and it just says, you know, someone else immediately tweeted me when I retweeted your thing, and they just said, I don't think I'm ready for the more moral outrage circus cycle to begin again. And I can understand that feeling, is that there is that, like, we have talked a lot about Saudi Arabia. And I, I will go on the record and say, I think we were one of the first groups to be like, hey, guys, what are we thinking about this? What's happening with this? I emailed WWE as soon as it happened and had to keep. Yeah, yeah. Remember, because then I had to bug them about, like, what's going on with women? What are we doing here? And asking those questions. So, I mean, I, I feel like we've talked a lot about this. So I don't know if I'm adding much value and difference of discussion points to say, yes, there's no women that were on the show. They, in fact, I have a very hard time believing anything will change by November. So I, I really don't think that we're going to see something different in a few months from now, especially when they move from Je- Jeddah to the capital of Riyadh. Um, but I don't Triple think H that, obviously um, gave. Just accepting, oh, yeah, well, it's always going to be this way, and let's just stop complaining about it is a legitimate response, though. Yeah. I'm not no, saying no, that I'm not saying, saying it is. Either, I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I, I think um, a lot of people deserve. You know, for a while there, I kept saying, "Where is the? Where is the outrage? Where is someone actually in mainstream bringing back together the facts that WWE paints itself, cloaks itself in women's revolution, and at the same time is willing to sacrifice all of that at the drop of a hat when someone yeah, I, wrote I them a even, check with I enough zeros word outrage because i think now, now outrage has this uh, tinge to it that uh, oh you're just being you're just getting mad online but let just like critical thought like have a conversation about it and uh if, if we don't talk about this stuff and we're just defeatists about it like that's that's where you know slavery really starts is when we just accept uh, that that nothing can change we can't do anything about it just shut up and accept it and i feel like that's that's such that's and- such an attitude in life that, that I, I feel that I'm surrounded by a lot is that, you know, just stop complaining, you know, but, but no, this is a real problem. And if nobody talks about it, nothing will ever change. Well, so there's the GSA apology. So the GSA, which is the, um, the general sports authority, uh, one of the government organizations, essentially actually the government organization that's making the deal with WWE to do this 10 year deal. Um, it, it, there's a tweet they put out, uh, this morning, uh, the, the other day, let's see what it was put out on April 28th at 3 AM and it's in Arabic. So I do not speak Arabic, so I cannot say exactly what it says. And of course it's a picture that they did. So it's not easy for me right now to translate it. I guess maybe if I use the Google translate on my phone, maybe I could look at it from a Reddit user. We do. You. We do. So we have a translation someone has provided. So I so I'm gonna read what the translation someone provided is, but I want to point out that I I've had people already tweet me back and be like, That's not the real translation. That's that's not honest. They they mistranslated and this word. You know? were, were um, defensive of the GSA itself. Yes, yes. I mean if, if you they seem to have a if you start I'm I'm saying there is there are people who read and speak Arabic and are um, very pro Saudi Arabia, and they feel that Saudi Arabia is being demeaned or diminished on uh, Twitter. And many things are not fair. And so they will pop up on your Twitter 
if you if you uh, uh, retweet this stuff or talk about it. And I, I've been kind of caught in the middle of a lot of these arguments where I haven't jumped in to say anything and then I've seen people going back and forth. And so this is the supposed translation of that thing. It says the General Sports Authority – would you like to read it, actually? Why don't you read it? Gen- Give me a break. <laughs> Give me a break. The General Sports Authority would like to apologize to the viewers and attendees of last night's WWE event that took place in Jeddah over the incident se- yeah, – there's some weird uh, English here – over indecent, over the indecent. Oh, okay. this is, is correct – over the indecent scene involving women that appeared as an ad before a segment. It would like to confirm its total disapproval of this in the shadow of its commitment to eliminate anything that goes against the community's values. The authority has made sure to ban showing any segment that involves women wrestling or any scenes related to it and stipulated that to the, and stipulated that to the company, which is WWE. The authority also disapproved any promotional stuff with pictures or videos showing women in an indecent way and emphasized on commitment of this rule. And it committed, uh, and, it, and it's a commitment that the authority would still commit to forever in all of its events and programs. <laughs> Forever. Yes. So, there, so there's a lot of things with this. Now, some people are taking it as basically you have your hardline cleric conservatives group and you have to appease them. And so you have to issue things like this so that you're, you're showing that they still have some control or there's factions that have that control and they want this sort of thing. And so it's it's kind of the after the fact. We That was never supposed to happen. It will never happen again. But it's the wink wink in a sense of like I'm trying to make this guy happy by lecturing you and really strongly. Um, that said to me, this also is, this goes against all the, uh, but next timers where it's so many people being like, well, but next time they're, they're going to have women on the show and, and the change is happening and WWE is driving that change to be, to be clear. Though, and to me, it's exactly like what they're referring to. Like what there were clips of like WWE yeah. women wrestlers. I think, I think what it was is that one of the like WWE segments is like all the people lip syncing to one of those to to like a song and some of the gear like like Sasha Banks and her gear was shown as like one of the people lip syncing to a song. You know, it was that sort of thing where I don't even know if they were doing moves, but it was just like one of those like we are WWE now then forever type promos. I don't know exactly which one. I haven't come back to watch the whole show to figure it out. And again, we don't know if it's exactly the same showing of which programs because I I seem to recall that there was other, you know, backlash or something that they were showing a promo for it. I don't think this was the WWE Network version of the show that they're complaining about. They're they're complaining about the version that aired on Saudi TV. My other thought, um, yeah, and, and but but I just I guess to me the the whole point is that WWE is a tool in this situation. They are not a they are not the person using the tool. They are the tool. They are being used. They're being bought and used and they're not – they don't have free will in the situation where they're coming out and saying, oh, well, we'd like to do this and you guys should really work with us on this and do this. It's This is them saying, here's what you're allowed to do. Here's what you're not allowed to do. That is the – that's the line. And the idea that WWE is going to drive them over that line is really funny to me because WWE, like, like I, I say at the end of the other show, they view their talent as a renewable resource of independent contractors. These are not employees. These are not family members. I I would, you know, everyone said the right thing to do would be, and right is, is a very relative term, but, you know, one thing they could do is they could actually pay all those women who aren't going to be able, you know, who aren't basically being given a good payday here for this big show and, and try to make good by them. At the same time, do I think WWE is going to do that? No, I don't. 
because I think they'll just say, no, you, you were off that night. You didn't work. You didn't do anything. And unless, you know, somebody who's high up in the company says, hey, here's a great example of, of essentially, you know, you're, you're, you're saying half your, your staff is not worth it to you and that they're going to miss out on all these big paydays. Isn't that a problem to you? Isn't that inequity? And you know what? WWE is filled with inequity, so I don't think it would even stop them from it's doing that. It's not just that it's half their staff. It's, um, half their, it's, it's because they're women. Um. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just mean – but I mean I feel like it would have to be someone like Michelle Wilson who is so prominently sitting there at the Women's Royal Rumble you know, behind the announce desk smiling. And it's like it would have to be someone like her bringing it up and making a big deal about it or even Stephanie for it to – rise to that next level otherwise it's just kind of people shrugging and saying well you know it's not my deal it's not my thing and there's a lot to say about you know what's happening in saudi arabia the 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 vision 2030 they say they they want three things a vibrant society a thriving economy and ambitious nature nation so they want the strong roots and full fulfilling lives and uh strong foundations which is you know Interesting terminology. Thriving economy is rewarding opportunities, open for business, investing for the long term, and leveraging a unique position. And then the ambitious nation is effectively governed and responsible, responsibly enabled. Um, that all sounds great, right? It's a long-term model for cultural and economic success. But it's also very light on details about what exactly are you trying to do because it's easy to say, yeah, I'm going to do modernization. I'm going to lift the the ban on women driving. But you know, um, the the way one report put it is is these changes are superficial, and at the same time, the serious human rights violations at home and abroad, that's the obstacle to reform. And in the the name of reform, we've seen them do things like commit human rights abuses and torture. And even execution of of dissidents. Uh, So it's it's easy to make a headline about, hey, they get Black Panther, guys. What are you guys talking about? It's not a big deal. That barely scratches the surface of what needs to happen in terms of reform. And that, you know, uh, human rights violations, the, the way Amnesty International put it is they're not sporadic, they're systematic. And I think that's really important to point out is it's not the sort of thing where you can say, here's one example where something went wrong or, or in one corner of the country where where people who acted in a certain way. It's systematic and you need a fundamental structural change to change things. So, you I mean, when you're cracking down on activist journalists, academics, dissidents, when you're when you have disc- systematic discrimination against women in all forms from from education to inheritance, to the ability to have a job, for the ability to go and travel to have a independently, bank and also banking, and then to have any kind of religious minorities. And when I'm talking religious minorities, I'm not even talking about like a Christian population that's being persecuted. I'm talking Shias, Muslims, and and how they have been rounded up and they have been uh, demeaned throughout the Saudi culture. And that's one reason that, of course, Iran and Saudi are so, you know, Saudi Arabia are so against each other is you have the different... And that may have something uh, to do with why Sami Zayn was not there. That's also a possibility, maybe. He's a Shia Muslim. I never even thought of that, but that is very possible. So to me, you know, and and then I haven't even got into the idea of, like, are there war crimes that have been done in, in Yemen with the bombing campaigns and whatnot. And so t- there's a lot about Saudi Arabia. And I'm not even talking about the the inability for most companies to actually do business there in a meaningful way where they're not afraid that their bank accounts are going to be seized I mean, or that the laws of, of, of Sharia law are going to prevail over any kind of actual I mean, civil did law. You, did you see the there's, story you know, just a few days before the greatest Royal Rumble happened that uh, Saudi Arabia bombed a uh, – there was a bombing in, in Yemen uh, – on a, on, a, on a wedding of party a wedding that, party that killed yep. like 30 people inclu- including the bride 
And and so I'm I'm not bringing this up to say, wow, look at this one country of the world. They're the one bad one of the world. Everybody else is is off the hook. And why don't we always talk about every time WWE goes to every other country of the world? But WWE is getting in bed with this country. This is not something where they're just running a show in Turkey. And you want to talk to me about, you know, how Erdogan yeah, has been acting. Isn't, this isn't like this is, BBL said, oh, it's, it's capitalism. This isn't W choosing to run a show and renting out a venue. This is the government buying a show, a, a series of shows. Buying 10 years. And when you saw that show, it would be incredibly difficult not to use the word propaganda to to discuss some of the words that were coming out of those those announcers' mouths when they were, you know, basically trying to say why the Vision 2030 a vision was going to be so big. And and you know what? We've seen this all over the world as they've done WrestleManias and whatnot in the sense that it's always propaganda for that home city. That's why they were asking these cities to bid on the right to get WrestleMania. And they will come and they will tell everyone that your city is the best city in the world. But it, it was certainly one where you could feel that there was a lot of words being put in the mouths about what a diverse place it was and 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 how how it was liberalizing and and whatnot and and it, it just says a lot about you know this decision to work so closely with them and i think there's you're working with a government that is is highly highly questionable in while their motives in places might be good let's liberalize and change and evolve they're doing it in the form of ignoring human rights at that same time and that is abhorrent and you know what that that is something that is worth saying and pointing out and you know i i feel like that's what part of this conversation is and so i i enjoyed the piece you know like uh alfred uh kanoa i i apologize i'm i'm butchering his name but uh he writes over at forbes and he wrote you know this this greatest royal rumble 2018 in saudi arabia highlights wwe hypocrisy and i thought he did a good job of kind of like laying out exactly all this information and and try to say here's the goods here's the bad and then he ends it with just basically saying they're going to air a major pay-per-view that prohibits female performers in the face of the company-wide women's movement wrestling fans and media members worldwide will share in that hypocrisy maybe that's part of the problem problem and he, even he himself admits he's going to watch this event and cover it and that's exactly what i did that's exactly what you did and there's always that question to be like you know i'm not voting with my my uh dollars um, am I complicit in this? And it, it is. It does, you know, strike me and, and challenge me a lot when I'm thinking about this. So I mean, I don't say that in a way to be like I have the answer. Here's the right way to act. But uh, just to say, you know, that this is part of it. And, and so I know it's easy to say it's the outrage cycle, and we're just trying to be outraged. But I do think that there's a story here about the geopolitical decision to do this and the money involved. And the money is a lot of money. We don't know how much money. We'll have an idea come August about approximately how much money they made incrementally for this show, whether or not they book all that money, whether they receive all that money, who knows how that's going to work, especially if they're doing another deal in November. But um, I got to think excess of $10 million to do a show like for this. Sure. Uh, I, I I think $20 million might be a lot when because you were pointing out to me that WrestleMania 32 yeah, or such. 17-3. Uh, the gate there was 17 so, you know, 20 million, you know, it would be insane, wouldn't it, to be like, hey, by the way, the biggest <laughs> gate of all time is that time Saudi Arabia bought a show and made sure no women could ever be It'd on be it. Right, right up there um, with Collision Korea, you know. Yeah. And, but it's it's the sort of thing to say we're not doing this in a way to understand a culture that is is being pulled off from us. We're doing this in a way to to 
bask in the propaganda that they are buying from us. And the idea that WWE is going to change their society seems silly to me more than WWE is a tool. And WWE is just one of the facets that they're using to be able to spread this message. And countries all over the world lobby and create propaganda. U.S. does it. Canada does it. Every country of the world is doing this. But the way that that Saudi Arabia is doing this by buying a show like this and putting it on and then trying to pretend like this is a form of progress is, you know, I I hate to use the bread and circus type analogy, but you do sometimes think of things like that. Do you think there's any – W was mindful of this, whatever piece of video they're referring to that featured women. Uh, do you think W was mindful that they were broadcasting that? Or do you think it was a legitimate accident on their part? Oh, I think they effed up. I think, I think some, some intern today got an earful, not intern, some, some, you know, minor digital guy. And it's probably because it was probably some tiny little piece of a video. So, you, you know, you, d- you doubt this is W being subversive. No, I don't think it's WWE being subversive at all. Um, and, and if anything, you know, somebody else pointed out to me that there was other criticism in, you know, Saudi Arabia about like, you know, we're watching men in spandex here, um, you know, running around. This is already inappropriate and it's teaching our children. I mean, I can't believe women were allowed in the stadium to watch this in the first place, you know, those sort of things. Like there's already, you know, a group uh, in the Saudi culture that was saying it was too liberal because what they shouldn't have had a show where women could go to it and sit there and be be that close. And of course, we had all those couch seats right behind the hard camera, and I can't imagine how angry Vince McMahon must have been through the whole show just seeing that, you know, the, the that group of like 25 Saudi guys who were just kind of standing up and wandering around in a big circle the whole time. And it was so distracting, and all you could think is like Vince was hates that this. If there's anything, what was that? Well, I think yeah, I think there's some some very big VIPs. You know, probably like uh, uh, Turkey also, like like the, the head yeah. of the GSA. You know, the guy that gave the um, the belt the, the, and the guy you, you see know, in the all the Vince and Triple H lately. Yeah, and all the other hanger-ons. You know, I think that's a largely who they were. Um, and then, yeah, some of it was security, and some of it is just you know the the brother-in-law who's really important, and then the 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 parent and all that. You know, just all the all the hanger-on that exists in a culture like that where everyone is so closely interconnected. Um, but I, the last question someone did put to me is they're like, is the Trump administration involved in this? And my my short answer is a this is the ninth show that they've run in Saudi Arabia. And that's something that a lot of people don't realize, but they've been doing this since 2014. B, it's part of the 10-year Vision 2030 plan that they're doing. So this is not so much Trump administration, this or that. If you gave me examples where the Trump administration has been consistently – people that are close to the Trump administration have consistently been winning some kind of Vision 2030 money, then you have a story. But otherwise, I think it's just Vision 2030, WWE wants to make money. They're a good fit. Uh, Trump administration certainly is not – telling people to shy away from doing business with Saudi Arabia. They love that idea. Um, at the same time, WWE was already doing business with Saudi Arabia since 2014. On top of that, I don't see there being enough bought shows too since 2014. Um, I have no idea, but I would say, yeah, my, my, my gut, my gut, my gut is yes, that, that almost all, I mean, whenever you're touring one of these kind of regions, you don't tour those kind of regions unless you have some kind of risk insurance. And what I mean by risk insurance is that either it's a bot show or you basically have a sponsor that is going to pay for the show. You know, it, it's just too ri- WWE has lost its its uh, lunch too many times trying to go to these international markets and deal with all this stuff. 
And so they, they usually like to use uh, kind of third party promoters, except for like in Europe, you know, that that they run themselves. But it's not uncommon for them, especially in the Middle East or, or just places where it's not English. I think so much it's so scary to them to try to, you know, because you, you never know what if someone's just going to renege on their deal in some way. And and what what are you going to do about that? So I think it's so much easier for them to use kind of sponsored shows, and especially when it's a government show, then it's going to be even easier for them. Uh, so it it's it was a a interesting spectacle. It was enormous. Like I was pointing out, if it's say fifteen million dollars a year, ten years, that's one hundred fifty million dollars. That's a ton of money. But put it in perspective, their new TV deals can be worth well north of two hundred million a year. So this is not even one year of domestic rights, and we're talking about 10 years of what they're doing in Saudi Arabia. Now, for them, they think of this as the future. This is this is they, There's this fertile young population. They are increasingly going to have money. They're going to increasingly spend money. It'll be curious to see over the 10 years of the show whether, you know, they sold tickets to, for the show, but clearly not enough to cover the cost. It'll be curious to see if they do more and more of that. So it's kind of a, we, we're trying to train people that you're supposed to buy tickets to go to stuff like this, and then we can, over the years, kind of ramp it up. So that we're subsidizing less and less of it. I don't know if that's the point, but that would be what I would think they might be trying to do. But uh, it's just it's it's a lot of money, but it's not enough money that they couldn't walk away from it is my whole point is that that it's certainly not uh, we're not talking money. It's obviously a ton of money because the way they promoted the show and the way they stuck it in. Uh, they would not, you know, do a show. Get poor people who do WrestleMania. I mean, WrestleMania and now this all in the same month and backlash next week. That's rough. That's rough if you're in that kind of like production media. And my thought is like, well, what's the the better thing to do to to go along with this? And oh, by the way, take millions of dollars, however much it is, to to be a part of this PR campaign to make this pretty terrible government uh, look a little bit nicer, or to just not accept the deal. I mean, you 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 always have those other options. Hey, I'm I'm donating a, ch- a million dollars to UNICEF's women's fund. You know, WWE is because I recognize that we're not doing enough here, and it doesn't absolve our responsibility, but it it just goes to show WWE's commitment to always give back. You know, something like that. Where that that that's that's one way that you can deal with that. Like the same way with like when tr- Donald Trump does WrestleMania, it's not like that. The point is he doesn't want to be out there saying, "Hey, yeah, they paid me a bunch of millions of dollars to do WrestleMania." Then it's supposed to be all that money got donated to a charity sort of situation. So I I would if I was WWE and I was trying to fight some of this, that would be my, at least the minimum thing I would be doing right now is be you know pushing, you know, here's a million dollars to UNICEF or something what like is that. The Saudi government going to like that if they do that. You're using our money to well they, do things that go against our community. I don't families. know. I don't know if they have to position it as a one-two punch. Hmm. Is my point is that you there's ways you can position that where it's more of a wink, wink, nod, nod, but it's not necessarily a. By the way, we just did a show in Saudi Arabia and we did this, but you know what? You can at least tell all your employees, hey, what are we doing about this? We just gave a million dollars to this, or we're, we're something like that. You know that again. This this implies the idea of a rational corporation that is working from a structure of saying we have moral and ethical guidance that is generating our decision making. That's not the way WWE is making decisions. They are an autocratic yeah. government. They're an autocratic corporation, mm-hmm. right? There's one guy in charge and you know I'm sure he goes to a place like this and he looks around and sees how, how people – uh, react to all these ideas and the way things work and thinks, man, I wish I could get my people to act like this. It, it, in the end, it's something that allows them to publish even higher revenue figures and probably higher OEBDA figures yes. and it helps the stock price. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's my, my thing. So I think to me, it's abundantly clear that, that kingdom of Saudi Arabia is going to be the one controlling this deal, not WWE. And so the idea that WWE is going to be the one forcing the modernization or liberalization won't happen. I'm not saying it won't ever happen. It's very possible that they will get to a point where they will say, yeah, we'll, we'll have women wrestlers on the shows, but that will be Saudi Arabia's decision, not WWE's. And it feels like a lifetime away. It, it's it, 10 years is so short of a time when you really think about it, but it's so long of a time when you also think about it because we have seen things rise and fall um, during during 10 years. And so lifetimes like, can change so much, you know, we're, in scenario where the TV rights bubble bursts and, and WWE no longer has TV rights as a major revenue source. And uh, the, and this a deal like this with Saudi Arabia becomes even more prominent relative to all their other business, you know. Well, at that point, you know, you even wonder, does WWE start to sell itself? You know, do they just go to go to the um, of the kingdom and say, hey, you know, put in half a billion dollars and we'll give you 10 percent and, you know, put in, you know, do you get do UFC money? You know, they just bought they just poured, what, 400 million at IME? The Saudi government did. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Just recently. So into Endeavor, maybe I think it was called. But yeah, they, they just poured hundreds of millions of dollars into other things. They used to be a part owner or uh, actually it was Abu Dhabi, I think, used to be a part owner of UFC, right? So, I mean, we've seen these corporate – so to me, if anything, if if the bubble burst, in my opinion, what would happen is WWE would look at maybe getting even closer and, and using them as a way to basically prop up the whole structure. And what, what would uh... – well, I mean, and, and if you and this actually this this translates a little bit. That's a little bit of what BTIG talks about in their document. I don't know how recently you read it, but they they have a whole area there where they basically say, um, we believe WWE has significant optionality for the rights, which could involve one buyer or division of rights, most likely between linear and digital, because they're obsessed with the idea of Facebook's going to buy in. Rather than pay significantly escalated rights fees, it is quite conceivable that a bidder tries to buy WWE outright. Now, again, your scenario, the 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 fees have dr- the the rights fees have burst and so therefore the value for WWE is in the dumps that's not quite as nice for an MA target but at the same time I could totally see one of these people basically being like no there's too much good stuff here we want to we want to have it and then we can also recoup uh you know some of the the amount we're paying already I, I mean I don't really believe that's going to happen uh, but uh I, I I kind of believe George when he says the money falls the eyeballs and history of media tells us that BTIG by the way is a financial firm that's very uh, optimistic about new media and, and W's ability to make lots of money off of it. There's things like Facebook. Yeah, I mean, they wrote, we, we believe that Facebook Watch is a natural fit for WWE content, given the amount of digital and social media engagement around the world basis. Uh, we also believe that Facebook could be a place where all or some of Raw and SmackDown rights eventually land, because this is their whole like thesis statement is that, that Facebook's going to buy or in. Or at least that Facebook's going to they're, they're saying that's going to drive up the price. Yeah. And th- their whole thing is that they think um, WWE stock could go as high as 46 bucks and they're already up to 40, which is an all time high for them. That's a, That's a huge deal for them to get all that high. But at the same time, and also as um, point out to me, them reaching $40 per share is also evidence that all of their booking decisions are wise. <laughs> all their booking decisions are rise. Um, that's a very interesting way of putting it. Uh, goodness. Uh, I'm also seeing here uh, Sports Illustrated 
in the the column that uh, the extra mustard piece that Justin Barrazzo does. So take that with whatever it is you want. He he ah you, oh, you got the auto playing deals that you can't stop. You can't stop him. Yeah, but I can yeah. I can mute this you little right, corner right here. The tab um, mute it. Uh, but he apparently he. He Justin wrote WWE is generated millions of dollars in income by signing a 10 year agreement with the Saudi Arabia Sports Authority. And this show alone is expected to net in excess of 25 million is what Justin wrote. Uh, I found a Yahoo article where they were referencing this. Um, I think that twenty five million dollar number sounds too high. I, I think he's being worked unless on. he doesn't know when he's being worked like like a lot of other people in wrestling. Yes. Um, but but the idea here of just what is the value WWE going to forty six dollars? Uh, it's at forty now. The, the, he had, BTIG has all these calculations in there where they basically say we think the value per dollar for you or our for UFC is a buck twenty six, whereas for WWE it's nineteen cents. So that's almost a six fold difference between the two. And then basically they go through all this stuff to say, well, if UFC is going to, you know, basically double their money, then that would mean WWE would be worth by the same calculations like one point eight billion dollars for TV rights, which is, of course, they don't think they're going to be one point eight billion dollars. They say here they their number right now, they're guessing is two hundred and forty three million dollars for you. Um, but two hundred four to two forty that is million for a US TV deal. Average premium. Though what's interesting, they, they, right here, we think – no, no. Do you notice it says our first year U.S. right estimate oh, is 243. Excuse me. But I'm wondering if they don't understand that everyone else when they're saying like 240, they're talking AAV, average annual value, oh, which is the middle first year. Okay. of the deal. Yeah. So that's where I'm like, oh, gosh, people are all over the place here when it comes to what is the new value of this thing going to be. I'm also not sure if this, this um, UFC versus WWE rights numbers are exactly right. Because sixfold sounds like a lot, though it does speak a lot to when we talk about why would you why would Fox and ESPN spend three hundred some million dollars for UFC rating uh, content when it's got much lower ratings in WWE and it's been in the decline? And the answer is if they're getting six times the value out of it, then uh, they're okay with it. But um, and again, that's not advertising. I, I should point out that's just dollars that they're getting paid for it, not the dollars they're getting paid for advertising. But we assume they're similar. Um, somebody made a good point to me about a show we did recently where we were talking about why would Fox basically agree to pay more for less hours of content. And it's also possible that they know that they're oversaturated with UFC content and that that they think, you know, sometimes it's a you got to make them want it a little bit mm-hmm. sort of situation. Which I thought was interesting, and I think that's true. Um, uh, do you want to talk anything more on Saudi Arabia, or should we move on to some of the other kind of miscellaneous topics we have here? Talking about an autocratic government so much, it uh, it seems to pale in comparison. But so Roman Reigns did not win the title. As uh, I don't know, a lot of people expected him to because the I, thought was I didn't... that this is a safe situation for Roman Reigns to win the title. He'll be cheered. There won't be all these Western young adults booing him. Uh, the reaction for him. Wasn't wasn't really that overwhelmingly positive though. Um, my my take on it was anyway. WWE. Well, and my take on it was WWE bothered to send out a thing saying Brock Lesnar resigned with them, and WWE or, or Dave Meltzer seems to think this is a super short term deal, but to me it seems like they're risking upsetting their investors a lot if basically they're telling them all, "Hey, Brock Lesnar signed a big deal." 
every one of the management reports you and I read mentions Brock Lesnar signed to a deal. And then the reality is they mean, yeah, he signed like a one month deal. So I never bought personally that it was going to be this was the show to switch it over to Roman. I thought, yes, it makes sense. But I never said this has to happen because Brock's leaving tomorrow. And so like I did a pool for like, you know, predictions for all the different matches. And I picked uh, Brock to retain. Um, and, and in fact, in my pool, I think like six of the 12 of us did. So it's it's interesting to say, you know, everybody did. When are you doing this? Um, be, oh. No, no, I came in second place. I, I picked Mojo Raleigh to win the, the Royal Rumble. <laughs> I figured I would go out on a limb and just, you know, one of those moments where I was like, maybe, maybe. And then, you know, once I saw him at the show, I was like, oh, no, he is not over at all. I, and Braun, it made a lot more sense. I should have just chosen Braun. But I was like, oh, I'll go go unexpected here. Um, we, we were totally not prepared for this at all. But like, so uh, what what do you think about this economically for Roman Reigns? Like, here's a guy who uh, has all the markings of a star in 2014. And uh, he's had quite a story. I, 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 this has flashed in my mind in recent days. Like, you know, it's going to be a great book someday. Is whenever whenever it comes out, if it's in, in any way independently written, is is going to be the autobiography of Roman Reigns. Like, just telling the story. I, I think like, the, this show and and the WrestleMania like, show, and then this is what they promised me, and then yeah, this and, is what and just and then my this is what they promised when I'm being booed and everything, and how I'm getting over and all that stuff. I mean, hey, you can go sting with him. Put him in the rafters for a year. Yeah, but, well, you know, I mean, we can sit around and lots of other podcasts do sit around and talk about all these great ideas. And there's plenty of good ideas out there for him. But we, we know that uh, things aren't really going to change. Or I, I, He's just in a, a really weird place right now. And I feel like now I feel like we've, we've, we've crossed a threshold or something that like the, the time where he's going to be the guy. He didn't win at WrestleMania. He didn't win here. I bet he won't. He, 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 it's a non-loss, in, in like a weird. But they're also they're also in such a weird place because they got Brock, they got Roman. Roman is going to wrestle Samoa Joe. They're not on the same brand anymore, and it's like it, it's Brock is not the guy you want to build your your ship around, he's not right? On TV weekly, and he's not on TV. He's old. He's his health is is good now, but you never know when it's going to you know flip. Um, he clearly wants to do something else with UFC. Uh, he has legal issues, <laughs> you know, he's not the guy that you can, you can necessarily just plan every year. This is what I'm going to go back to. And then Roman is Roman. And so it's like, who is the next guy that they're going to bring up to the top and put it there? And so, you know, you go back and you'd be like, well, Finn, they let, let him beat Roman. And then he got hurt the next day. And so, you know, once you get a rep like that, Vince almost will never go back to you. Finn Balor beat Seth Rollins at SummerSlam, got injured in the process, but he did win. He won a four-way that involved Reigns to earn that title shot, though, I think. But, uh, yeah, I guess the point is we got, you got Braun, Braun Strowman in there, too. But, uh, I mean, when I you know talk about how W could really be making more money than it is, it's already making money. It's making ever more money. But uh, it could be making more money if they managed talent better and uh, position talent in a better way to draw in interest and draw deep engagements and deep emotions and uh, trying to make people like Roman Reigns in the way that Vince McMahon wants people to like Roman Reigns has, uh, I think, cost them more money than they might have otherwise. And what's sad about YouGov is that when they did a, a list to try to figure out, you know, uh, pro wrestlers that you have heard of or not heard of. 
the most pro most popular wrestler of all time yeah. list. Uh, actually, let's let me click on this and see if maybe there's a new. No, there's not a new version of it. I would have to join it and do other stuff. So, um, somebody over at Medium, a guy named Damien Hospital, uh, he basically said, "Well, what I did is I I looked up a bunch of pro wrestlers, subtracted their never heard of percentage from a hundred to get the percentage of Americans who either voted thumbs up, thumbs down, or neutral, i.e., they've heard of the person." And then uh, said, I have about 4,500 votes for these people. And so these are obviously the most popular, most recognized wrestlers, which, you know, is is filled with all sorts of absurdity uh, in assumptions that that a there's, you know, any kind of statistical relevance of this B that, you know, the voters here are truly the people that they say they are and C you're not you're getting thumbs up, thumb neutral, thumbs down and never heard of like people don't just go neutral when they really don't know anything about someone, which a lot of people do as opposed to never never heard of uh, but the the top two were hulk hogan at 95 percent and dwayne the rock johnson at 94 percent we were talking um, about this this was brought up to me yesterday at, at the show someone asked me oh there's some some article came out about who the most recognizable wrestlers are so i don't know people are talking about this a little bit i guess and, and i think there's some some credibility to those two yeah. because i do think hulk hogan is in in when you say pro wrestling hulk hogan is is got to be the top or the top three people that most Americans are going to mention. So. I'm, not, I'm not that skeptical of the top eight or seven here. No, no, no. So, so then you have the rock who's a huge star in himself. Then you have John Cena at 79%, which I can believe that. And stone cold Steve Austin, who's one of the biggest yeah. stars of all time. And yet he hasn't been around all that much in yeah. the last decade. So that's a very I, fair I think number. Thing with Austin is if you're a wrestling historian, Steve Austin is like number one or number two. But Steve Austin's run as the top star in the business was relatively short compared to Hulk Hogan or John Cena, and uh, they, who had more longevity um, as top stars. And The Rock has turned into this movie star. He's more known now as a movie star than he ever was as a pro wrestler, even though he's a very big star as a pro wrestler as well. Then you have Ronda Rod, Rond, Rowdy Ronda Rousey at 68%, um, surprisingly high. Uh, it's, it's one of those where if you were to do this in 10 years from now, I'd be very curious to see how Rhonda's staying power is. It would be kind of like Connor or some other people who you'd be like, they're a big deal, but will they stay mm -hmm. a big deal? Um, over time, Macho Man Randy Savage at 65%, ridiculously high. Um, but again, you know, really that number two guy there with, with Hogan for so yeah, many years. I think he's uh, in terms on of, as like a social media meme as a guy who everybody has an impression of the yeah, yeah, exactly. Though, though, no, no, go no, ahead. No, that's all I Do got. It. I'm not going to embarrass myself unless you are. <laughs> I I will say it was fascinating to me because he's another guy though that disappeared for the last decade of yeah. of his life very largely. Like you know, the last photo I think I've seen of him is that that photo where he went to the Bolt the movie like screening, like red carpet. He shows up there and he's got like the white white wizened beard. Um, but you know, he, he's someone who obviously connected a lot. And then you have Vince McMahon at 63%, which is fascinating to think of the idea that Vince McMahon is less recognizable than macho man, Randy Savage now, but you know, outside of the bubble, that's probably true. Um, Ric Flair at a high 62, that makes sense. Roddy, Rowdy, Roddy Piper, 53% seemed ridiculously high to me. Same with dusty, the American dream roads, 49%. Um, I don't know if that's just a, a geographic thing. Um, but I always feel like Dusty Rhodes is someone where if you're outside of the wrestling bubble, you don't know who Dusty Rhodes is necessarily. Sure, but, I, but these other names uh, like, that, that trail him in this list, I don't see as 
I don't see strong arguments for like, oh yeah, they must be more recognizable than Dusty. No, that's true. That is true. And 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 that's I just I guess the idea here is if you're already taking a pro wrestler survey, you're probably already very much inclined to say I know some something about pro wrestling. I think Dusty has the um, um, the polka dot run that uh, is, as much as he allegedly hated elevated his recognition. And 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 in some areas of the country, he's going to be enormously well known mm-hmm. and popular. Definitely. As opposed yeah. to other areas, so it's 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 also the element that he's going to be much more popular in the South and and in Florida and and those sort of areas versus maybe in New York and Minnesota where and I'm he thinking. didn't miss out on on people's um, childhoods in, in the late eighties and early nineties. Yeah, then you have Triple H at forty nine percent, followed by Chris Jericho at forty seven percent, followed by Linda McMahon at forty seven percent, and Linda, of course, you know, I would expect her to be at twenty percent if not for the fact she was in Donald Trump's cabinet. And and that she spent all that money running for Congress. Uh, and the fact that because she's in Donald Trump's cabinet, they bring her up all the time because she's one of like four women in the whole cabinet or administration. Um, then you have Brock Lesnar at 40 percent. So it's interesting putting Brock below Chris Jericho and things like that. That's one where I think that's in yeah. the margin of error personally. Uh, Brock's an argument that I could say maybe he should be higher or maybe he in reality is higher. Then you have Jerry the King Lawler and Jimmy Snuka, Superfly Snuka, Captain Lou Albano, Ravishing Rick Rude, all at 37 or 38 um, percent. Of course, Rick is misspelled in this. With, with one, which with makes me seat, really want to look like a Ric Flair. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just one of those things where you're like, I find it hard to take seriously a survey about how recognizable are people when you're misspelling well, is, is their names. Is that a mistake by YouGov or is that a mistake by Medium? Yes. yes. That was neither or, uh, not yes or no. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I'm, no I'm not asking you to answer. Uh, like, who knows whose mistake that is? Yeah. And then Jimmy, the mouth of the South, hard at 32%, and Gorilla Monsoon at 29%. And that's another one where you're like, oh, Gorilla Monsoon. You know, if, it, if we're talking commentator Gorilla Monsoon, maybe. But a wrestler Gorilla Monsoon, there's no way 20%, 29% of Americans have a clue who he was. Uh, I mean, he was a wrestling star in his day, but we are so far away from that time period. And even today, you know, I wish Bobby Heenan was on this list. He would be in, kind of the, yeah, the counter to this to see Bobby where he would could be included in here. And he would be above Gorilla Monsoon at the very least. Um, and then it was just funny. The the other names, you know, this guy who wrote this article here is like, I can't believe Chris Jericho. is a, He's a big rock star. Why is he not higher? And it's like, really? <laughs> you really are shocked by that? But uh, maybe that's just because uh, I, I, I continue my feuds with Jericho in all mediums, all forms. So but that's to be expected. But yeah, it was an interesting little piece. Um, I think it inherently Jer- Jericho who says – Go after him again. Jericho, who I, I think recently further defended uh, the, the Roman Reigns issue as, you know, it's just fans wanting to boo the good guy. Whoever, you know, the company gets behind and, and – you know, I'm trying not to use the word push, but gets behind and puts to the top of the car. The fans just want to boo, just like John Cena back in the day, and that's just the way it is. Like as if, like I say, this that that's that that that's just the way it is. The, Things will never change. That, that's the new kayfabe. That and maybe he really believes that on some level, or I don't know. He's convinced himself of that, but like that that's just absurd to me that that people say that and believe that and argue that. <laughs> I mean, at the same time, I'm sure he, like anyone else, says, I'm out there, I'm doing these house shows, I'm seeing these guys bust their ass no doing it. So 
they they to them it's very hard to ever internalize why would people not appreciate how hard I'm working? I'm not doing a Brock Lesnar schedule. I'm doing a real schedule. Why why could they possibly really hate me? Because you're not presented in a way that connects with people emotionally. You're not gonna Roman Reigns is not presented in a sympathetic way. He's presented in a sympathetic way to the to Vince McMahon, but not to the general wrestling public. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Let's take anything um, away from his talent or how hard he works. But anyway, all right. <laughs> we got a good question mm-hmm. from a listener uh, that I, I enjoyed, which they said, "What if All In fails?" September first. What? What if the the big indie show? What if this idea that we'll do a giant show outside of Chicago, and we want to draw ten thousand people, and we're going to put some stars on it, so there'll be a Kenny Omega on there, the Young Bucks will be on there, Cody will be on there, and we'll do stuff. Uh, but maybe it doesn't draw in, and you know, if you've been around wrestling for a long time, you'll remember other mega shows that were supposed to be big deals that people have taken a bath on. Uh, you know, I, I, I immediately thought of break the barrier, which was this like 90 show that, you know, people were trying to make a big deal about all the indie promotions coming together and doing, or, or, you know, battle for Los Angeles back in the day and things like that, where there, there's been some real cards where people remember them fondly for good wrestling, uh, not celebrate the barrier, but other things. But at the same time, maybe they weren't actually money What's makers, Battle of or they Los weren't Angeles giant on a PWG show. Well, I'm talking about old, old Bola, like like 2002, 2003, like the the show that basically inspired Ring of Honor to be created, so where King they the put Indies. together a. Maybe it was King of the Indies. Yeah, thank you. That's what I'm thinking of. And and my understanding is they actually lost money on King of the Indies. It ended up being such a big inspiration for Ring of Honor. K- K- King of the Indies was a you know, it, show. Yes, thank you. So that 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 sort of idea of just like it, you can make these mega shows. You can put the best talent out there. You can make a big deal about it, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to draw. Now we're in a new era where we're seeing better and better. You know, we we you and I were at the Russell Con yeah. show with you know sold out eighteen hundred yeah. people. And people dying to get in. So, I mean, there's that kind of stuff. And so there's that question, though. Will it have detrimental impact on the rest of the wrestling ecosystem if a show like All In were to fail? Would that be a big blow to say indie wrestling isn't nearly what it needs to be? And I said, Brandon Howard Thurston the 11th would be a perfect person to speak um, about this. Well, we get this out of the way. I think on the local level, the local indies, as, as I, I defined a couple of weeks ago or the other week, I think there's three different kinds of promotions there's local indies there's super indies and there's major promotions but the lo- local indies no not at all because the audience for for local indies by and large are not aware of of something like all in and aren't or at the very least if they're aware of it that it's not going to affect how they perceive indie wrestling or the, how they perceive their local promotions at least not in a, not in a strong way uh, the Super Indies, maybe, I guess if it fails spectacularly, I think that's unlikely. Um, I guess it could hurt the reputation of... Let, let's say it sells 6,000 tickets. Yeah, I don't think that's a spectacular fit. Enormous show. I think that's a... Enormous show, but they didn't hit 10,000 no, like they wanted. I don't think it at all. I think every, now, let's say they sell 3,000 tickets. It depends on like what the buzz is. I mean, the the number is one thing, but the 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 feeling. What are you, what are you using Barrios metrics here? Like, I got to like, know what guys, the engagements I'm are before it matters. Granularity on, on what this. You want to you want to you want to. Is there a Google Trend score they have to hit before it'll be a success? No, I, I think it's like 
it's something imme- immeasurable. Like, what's the, what's the story? What's the vibe? And what, what do the what do fans feel? Like, if it's a bad show, quality wise, if people are disappointed with the performances, if the, the you know the matches aren't good, the fan experience isn't good, maybe you know the what 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 about like the idea that you know I, I know Lavi's been writing a lot about this thing about Ring of Honor where you know they had this enormous show nola weekend and it seemed like they're super duper hot and then since then it seems like they're struggling more to sell all the tickets and so the idea being that like what if it's like a burn the burn the place out where you do ten thousand, and suddenly the indie scene seems like it's dead because nothing matters anymore what's happening there too is this all-in show itself is overshadowing uh ring of honors ability to sell tickets at least up until september 1st and maybe a little bit after too um because so many people are gonna travel in right you think that that's a possibility that uh, Lavi's tracked, and I think there's there's photos of a show from this past weekend where um, Lanny Poffo and Jay Lethal are out there, and you can see quite a few empty seats in the background. Um, that maybe you know people are really looking forward to this All In show, and Ring of Honor, to its own discredit, hasn't done a, a fabulous job of building up a lot of new stars that people care deeply about. Um, it doesn't seem, to, at least to me, like the hottest brand. Especially when they're they don't have the New Japan stars along with them, and and will it be a situation too where do we have a star power that comes out of this where we say okay the young bucks matter or Kenny matters or whoever it is or is it going to be something where it's it's an event you know do do we think we're going to continue to see this idea that there are people that are individually able to continue to have an impact I remember you know a couple of years ago it was AJ Styles has an impact on the Indies. And it was fascinating because it, it really appeared to be there. And then now we see what a star AJ has become in WWE. And it just speaks to that he had this undercurrent that was going with him where literally TNA was killing him so bad. No one wanted to watch a TNA show, but they would go to an indie show if AJ Styles was going to be there. It's just it's it's just so strange. Well, I, I think young bucks matter. I think Kenny Omega matters even more. And uh, if the show goes well, I think they'll get even more cred and they'll matter even more. And, uh, I don't know when, when they, when they talk about 10,000, I'm sure we're going to talk about this as, as the show gets closer, even afterward, you know, and I think, uh, Cody Rhodes mentioned that the, the minimum price to get in is going to be like 25. And, um, well, how much of the 10,000 is going to be paid? How much of the 10,000 is, could, could be comped to get up to 10,000? You know what I mean? But, um, yeah. And, and they, they will most, inevitably have sponsorships that will be also paying for some of this um i my understanding is they're not running a gate where they're putting up the ten thousand, you know the bond and whatnot with the idea that they have to they'll they'll take the bath solely if things go wrong it's supposed to be that i think it's it's going to be offset a little bit by you know the the reason they're running in this area of chicago is most likely so that they can also you know make sponsors happy so i'm sure it's going to be sponsored by one hour tees and all that other stuff and i wonder like there's a reason, isn't there, that this is not a Ring of Honor show. I know Ring of Honor may be helping them, but maybe there's a reason why they felt they had to do this separate from Ring of Honor, or at least not not as a Ring of Honor show itself. Like maybe there's something about the Ring of Honor brand that makes this. If it was if it was a Ring of Honor show, it makes it harder to get to ten thousand. I think. Yeah, for sure, and I think you know there's the personal pride involved in yeah, it too. Definitely. That I think. That that Cody Cody doesn't want 
anyone to use the excuse, well, they thought it was a Ring of Honor show, and so that's why people came. It's not that you guys are a big deal. It's that New Japan's a big deal. There's going to be New Japan. And ultimately, people are still going to say that. (laughs) They're going to say that no matter what. But it'll it'll be interesting. I, I think... Yeah, that's that's some good analysis. I I don't disagree with any of it. I, I just um, thought I'd ask you. I think so. I think you you basically said that that the ramifications are much more serious for the idea of the super indie, and that you know even a reduced success six thousand would still probably make it a viable thing because it would be so much more than what is happening now. It, the challenge will be if you literally can't draw the same number that. Lo- you know, if you can't draw a Long Beach number for New Japan, then you've got a problem. And in a best case scenario, I guess, say this does draw ten or eleven thousand people, maybe that's momentum to continue to do business like that. Well, I think it will be it will be difficult for um, you and I. Our arms will get tired signing all the autographs for the nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine people that will be flocking. To see WrestleNomics well, Radio, and you know, five dollars a piece for it. So I'll, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll make sure my arms are trained. Yeah, I mean, we'll sign trending schedules. We'll sign uh, yeah. OIBDA estimates. We'll sign KPI yeah, measurements. Uh, presentation slides, screenshots yeah. from the BPS. Maybe, maybe. I'll... Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I feel like that one would get me uh, in, in trouble with uh, 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 Jerry McDivitt or, or Laura. No, not the public documents. That's SEC stuff. I, I'm, I'm good there. Um, we, we've been talking so much here today. I don't know if I want to talk anymore, but I want to say that we did a great show, a three-hour show all about the, the Business Partner Summit. I thought that was really interesting stuff. And as I've talked many times, I'm passionate about that thing. And it, it's, a, it's a playbook to me that, that you can go back to and you can find out what they're thinking and what they're saying. And then how do they highlight which executives they have and who the heck are these people and what is it that they promised they would do this year. So we do a great job on that. You can go to patreon.com slash WrestleNomics, you can sign up. It's only $5 a month. Just for one whole month, you get $5. Access is the entry point, and there's there's dozens of hours doing, of audio, doing bonus audio that is every, exclusive to just week. that. We're doing bonus audio. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've recorded dozens of hours already just for that. And um, a lot of it is evergreen, in my opinion, because it's about strategy and discussions, and it's not necessarily about, you know, this week, this week, this happened on Raw. Let's let's talk about this angle. You know, there's a lot more to be said, and and uh, we'll, we'll, you know, we should actually probably take some of the content that we've done already, and maybe even put it up there on the subscriber thing to make sure people find it out. So maybe the interview we did with Dave Lagana and other things. I'm just thinking out loud now is that it would be good for us to recycle that and make sure that people know that that stuff's out there too, because that that's some stuff that I think people would enjoy uh, listening to. And we got some good uh, feedback on this. One of our listeners once so, told us, um, I think someone was catching up on like four episodes and it felt like they were in part-time college again. Um, <laughs> really? Uh, but for $5 a month. And if that's like four shows, four bonus shows in a month, that comes out to like a buck 25 per show. I I prefer to think of it as it's like a quarter an hour of content from what you'll get from us because almost every week we're putting out two to three to four hours of content. So uh, you're you're paying for all of that, really. And uh, if we didn't have our Patreon supporters, you wouldn't have the show, period. That's that's the God's honest truth is that it makes a big difference. Uh, I'm doing some charity auctions right now. You can uh, come play the board game Dune with me uh, or you can come watch a Laserdisc of Dune. 
So, uh, Brandon, I know this is a futile question, but uh, how many times have you seen uh, David Lynch's Zero, Dune? Zero, but I've heard of it. Um, how many times have you read the books by Frank Herbert? Uh, how many times have you seen the sci-fi series? Zero, but I, this is my familiarity with the movie Dune. I've, I've seen an interview with David Foster Wallace where he talks about David Lynch, and one of the things that he talks about is how the movie Dune, uh, directed by David, David Lynch, um, was... It's supposed to be this big production, big expensive movie, and uh, the uh, the editors get a hold of it after it's all shot and produced, and they they edit it down t- t- so that the movie is like incoherent. That's what I know about it. it. It, yeah, I mean, it was David Lynchian in its design, so it's 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 many things. So you could you could argue David Lynch himself, you know, fell it though. Putting putting a sting in his loincloth, uh, you could maybe argue that those David Lynchian decisions were uh, good or bad. Um, they they you know of course it's Kyle MacLachlan uh, as a uh, Maudib, so it's it's pretty exciting stuff. But uh, it, it's intriguing movie, it's intriguing time. But yeah, I, I tweeted about where. So if you're in the Twin Cities, you're interested in, in supporting huge theater. Uh, their hangout auctions basically you bid on on doing fun things and then you get to do it maybe one time i'll do a, a russell momics podcast as as a bonus thing that they get to be a a guest on the show oh, or something included travel hotel oh no 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 <laughs> well the only people that bid on this stuff usually is people in the twin cities but i guess that one might you know would obviously go for for millions of euros yeah, and the next thing i know i'm going to read on yeah <laughs> Yes, that is true. We we appreciate all our listeners worldwide. Uh, Brandon, you got some shows coming up. You got some wrestling matches. What do you need to plug? I don't know. I don't know when I'm, when I'm wrestling again. Were you successful? You're, you're hosting today. Were you successful in defeating Mr. I Colin Delaney? I submitted him right in the middle of the ring, so I'm still going to be the host of. Uh, what was the submission maneuver? Um, my next booking isn't for a while. Oh, I'm, I'm wrestling on May 19th against Simon Grimm, formerly known as Simon Gotch. That's in North Town. I want to go to Houston.com to learn about that and get tickets. That's it. Follow me at Brandon Thurston. That sounds great. Uh, Yeah. I'm at Boogie Ghana, and uh, our combined account is at Russellnomics. And uh, we appreciate everyone from listening today. We are clearly tired, uh, but we'll talk to you later. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.